Ready to break free from algorithms, vanity PR, and money-sucking ads? My name's Larissa Worstiak, and I've learned in seven years of jewelry marketing that content is the crown jewel. My agency, Joy Joya, takes a holistic approach, leading with laser-focused storytelling, impactful content creation, and strategic content distribution. This method has worked for the solopreneur as well as the multi-million dollar company. And now I'm sharing the same systems and tactics with you. Here's to standing out in the sea of sparkle. In episode 256 today, we're diving into one of my favorite subjects, email marketing with a focus on the welcome series. So we'll be emphasizing the importance of constantly exploring fresh marketing strategies and being open to innovative ideas tailored for your business. Just as science and medicine rely on experiments for progress, your business too needs to test out theories if you're hoping to unearth new possibilities. So we'll be taking a closer look at the Welcome series by spotlighting Hillary Fink Jewelry, the recipient of the Joy Joya Jewelry Marketing Grant, and together we'll brainstorm ideas for her revamped welcome series highlighting the potential benefits. Additionally, as a special treat, we'll touch on Pinterest with Hillary. That's, of course, a topic outside of email marketing, but it is something that Hillary and Joy Joya are working on together. For those joining our podcast series for the first time this season, I'd recommend starting with episode 252. Doing so will introduce you to Hillary and allow you to follow this narrative from the beginning. Before jumping into my chat and interview with Hillary, I'll share some insights to help you build out your own email marketing welcome series. So let's dive into the world of making your customers feel seen, heard, and welcomed into your brand. But before we get to the solid gold, I'd like to take a moment to remind you that this podcast has both audio and video, so you can either listen on your favorite podcast platform or watch on YouTube by searching Joy Joya. You can support the podcast for free by taking the time not only to subscribe, but also to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Okay, let's get into today's episode, my sparklers. So this one is all about the email marketing welcome series. And though I've mentioned this on the podcast at some point before, I'd love to redefine the welcome series for you just to make sure that we're all on the same page here. So what exactly is a welcome series? So for a jewelry brand or really any business that engages in email marketing, a welcome series is a curated set of emails aimed at introducing new subscribers to the brand's ethos, craftsmanship, and unique offerings. So basically, immediately after someone signs up for email, they're greeted with an initial email message that warmly thanks them for their interest. Sometimes it offers an introductory discount code or other promo, and it just kind of sets the expectation for the email marketing to come. 
So then subsequent emails would do things like share a brief history of the brand, a personal note from the founder, the designer, setting the tone for the relationship. They can also spotlight best-selling pieces, share the story behind signature designs, or even provide a sneak peek into the craftsmanship process. This is a perfect opportunity to educate the subscriber about brand values, be it like sustainable sourcing, the hand craftsmanship, unique materials. Additionally, this welcome series can really remind customers about that welcome discount. You can sprinkle in other special offers or exclusive previews, and that welcome series should really entice the new subscriber to make their first purchase on like an accelerated timeline. But at the same time, time. It's not just about sales. It's about trying to create a bond with this person who has given you their email address, which is no small exchange. And then by the end of the series, the subscribers should really feel a deep connection to the brand, understanding not just what the brand sells, but also why they do what they do. So this journey that's crafted through the welcome series not only sets the stage for a lasting relationship, but in a perfect world, it turns your subscribers into your loyal brand advocates. So now that you know what a welcome series is, why is it so important for you to have one? Why am I just going to be harping on this? Well, first let's look at the numbers. So according to Klaviyo benchmarks, the average open rate for welcome email flows is 55.61%. It's pretty close to the average open rate for regular campaigns, but here is the amazing part. The click-through rate on average for welcome emails is much, much higher than it is for regular campaigns. So we're talking 6.52% for welcome emails versus 1.5% for campaigns. The conversion rate is also way higher for welcome emails. So we're talking 2.38% for welcome emails and 0.10% for campaigns. Now, of course, that's Clavio uh, reporting on their data, but I have definitely seen this myself looking at data for my clients' campaigns Welcome emails always across the board perform better. And why is that? Well, I mean, you can even think to your own behavior with email marketing. When you sign up for a brand's email newsletter, usually you are trained to expect that initial email from a brand, whether you're like looking for a discount or you're just looking for some guidance, you're kind of excited to see what's inside rather than with a normal email campaign that just randomly lands in your inbox, you are not primed to look for it. So you're not expecting it. So just from the data point of view, that's why it's so important to have the welcome series. You're really missing out on opportunities if you don't have those emails in place. 
Also, as we know in business, as in life, first impressions really matter. And that welcome series is often the first structured interaction that a subscriber will have with your brand. So if you have that well-crafted series, you can really leave a positive lasting impression and then set the tone for future communications. It also encourages immediate engagement. I kind of just touched upon this, but I want to emphasize it. If you're offering an exclusive discount, promotion, some kind of freebie, some kind of value add in that first email, it can potentially encourage your subscribers to make their first purchase sooner. Or if not a purchase, they're engaging with your brand more quickly than they would otherwise. And then also it can really give subscribers a chance to personalize their experience. So based on their interactions with your welcome series, brands can tailor their future communications to match subscriber preferences. And then moving forward, that can also lead to higher engagement rates. So as you'll hear in the interview with Hillary in just a few minutes, we are currently in the process of helping Hillary with her email marketing welcome series. So when we audited her email marketing originally, we found that the Hillary Fink brand only had one email in their welcome series. It's not really a series then, but there was one email. And as you'll hear in the interview coming up, she admits that she had designed it a year ago, didn't give it much thought, just knew that she had to kind of put something up there. That's very common, no judgment. But now we can look at that and improve upon it. So we started a new plan for her series and how we can take all different parts of her brand story that hadn't really been brought to the forefront yet. And there really is a lot of work involved in strategizing a welcome series, not just because it's a series of emails and email can take work, But if you are going to establish this as the first impression that you're making with your subscribers, you really want to get it as close to where you want it because it's not really something you want to be changing every other week or just updating. You want to feel really good about it so that when you implement it, you can give it time to work and to see the results. So it's important to put thought into it. It's important to get it to a place that you feel proud of and that you think really represents your brand story. So the flow, the welcome flow that we're finishing up for Hillary Fink includes In the first one, it's just a welcome that warmly introduces subscribers to the brand. It presents her collections, and she does have a welcome discount in that first email. The second one in the series is a letter from Hillary. She even has her signature there, so it feels a little bit more personal. And she also shares her favorites from all her products, which is really nice to see. The third one is more information about how to engage with Hillary if you're interested in designing a custom piece of jewelry. And then the last one invites subscribers who enter the flow to add their birthday for a special treat on their birthday. So that kind of just shows, again, what they're going to expect. It makes them feel valued. It kind of shows the brand 
ethos and it encourages them to connect more intimately with the brand. And then with each one of these emails, the thing that we're also doing to make it a little bit more sophisticated and to take advantage of the tools in Klaviyo is that after that first welcome email, which shares the welcome discount, the flow kind of branches out based on customer behavior. So everyone goes through these four steps of the flow. But if someone doesn't make a purchase at any one of these steps and they don't yet use the welcome discount, they actually get a second version of the email that has a banner at the top that's a reminder of the welcome discount. But people who have used the welcome discount won't get that redundant messaging. So this is just something we added to help personalize the experience even further. And it also gives us great data about how likely someone is to use that welcome discount. So right now, our goals for Hillary and the new welcome series is really to build trust with customers, to accelerate those subscribers into first-time buyers, to educate those subscribers, to make them excited and feel special that they're part of the email list, and to get insights into what's resonating with subscribers based on what they're clicking on or not clicking on. And we'll just keep monitoring that over time. So now let's get to what you want to know. What are my tips that you can use for your jewelry brand? So these are some insider tips you won't want to skip. Number one, start with a bang. So that first email sets the tone for your relationship. It makes that first impression. You want to make it memorable and truly representative of your brand. A heartfelt thank you is great, but you can consider sweetening the deal with an exclusive offer or discount. So get them excited about being part of your brand's inner circle from the get-go. Number two, tell a story. You know, jewelry is a personal buy and people really want to feel connected to the brand they're investing in. So use that welcome series to tell your brand's story. Who's that genius behind the designs? What's the history? Do you have a unique sourcing process? I want you to share all those things and make your subscribers fall in love with your brand. Number three, show. Don't just tell. Make sure that your emails aren't too text heavy because the goal is not to have someone sit there and read your email like it's a book. The goal is to have someone be inspired and delighted by the content that you're sharing. And since jewelry is so visual, we want to have pictures in there and we want to inspire someone to click through to your website. So make sure that you are visually communicating a story to get someone to click. Number four, be a resource and not just a sales pitch. Yes, of course you want to drive sales, but what about also adding value by sharing things like jewelry care tips, style guides, or the meaning behind some of your iconic pieces? This shows you're not just in it for the money, even if you are, <laughs> and it fosters a deeper connection with your customers. 
And number five, you're going to want to track, analyze, and tweak. So after that welcome series is live, please do not just set and forget it. You want to monitor how your audience is interacting with it. Which emails have the best open rates? What are people clicking on? Use this info to your advantage and then refine your series to make it even more impactful in the future. I hope those tips were helpful. Without further delay, let's get into my interview with Hillary. Hi, Hillary. Thanks for coming on the podcast today. Hi, Larissa. So the first thing I want to chat about is the welcome series that we're putting back together for you. You had one welcome email that was like a welcome discount. And now we're kind of building it out to be have more storytelling and just add more layers to that. So I'm curious, what has this process been like for you working through and like rethinking the welcome series? Well, it's been a relief, (laughs) as are most of the things that you guys are doing for me. It's been it's just been really great, because I know I know that I've needed a better welcome series. I mean, I designed that one email like a year ago and I kind of forgot about it, you know? Um, And so I know that I've just needed a a better introduction to my brand. I mean, that's what all that's what these emails are about. And so I'm really excited about them. Um, Yeah. I mean, we're going to be showcasing the different collections, things about me personally, things about custom, which is, you know, so important to my brand. Um, so yeah, I'm just really excited about it. It's going to look great. Yeah. And the one thing that I liked about working through that was it brings up like other questions of things that should probably be revisited anyway, like for the custom, for example, we've been talking about, well, how can we now improve that custom jewelry page on the website? If we're going to build out this email, we want to make sure there's a place to take them to that actually makes sense. Definitely. Yeah. It's, you're so right. It just opens up a little can of worms of all the different (laughs) places that need improvement and revisiting. Absolutely. Do you have thoughts or ideas about how you think it will impact the email strategy overall? I think it will help people get more people to go to my site because there are going to be four four emails, right? Um, So I'm really hoping that drives the traffic to my website, which is the whole point. Um, And then I just like the idea of them getting something that's more branded. You know, like these emails are going to have the same voice. Then, you know, my monthly emails will have this same type of voice and the same type of look. And so I just think overall, it's going to build this brand trust and more of like a brand identity and recognition. And um, yeah, I just, I like that. It's like kind of the, it's the key. It's the key. It's the first look. It's the first introduction. Yeah, definitely. The first impression and how setting an expectation also, like what are people going to get when they interact with you and being subscribers. So definitely. Oh, and I had forgot to mention too, with that welcome discount in Clavio, we can kind of set up like conditions so that as people move through the series, if they still haven't used the discount, they'll continue to move through the series, but they'll get a reminder of the discount as well until they hopefully use the discount and make a purchase. So that's kind of something too that continues to remind people that that's available for them. You know, four emails seems like a lot for me, but I I trust you guys that it's 
the right thing to do. I mean, you know, I'm not a marketing expert. And so I'm like, oh, I don't want to bother anyone. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. so, like, I know that we, I know that I need more touch points with, with um, customers. It's so, I mean, that's something I hear so much that designers say they don't want to bother people. And I, I get that attitude. It makes sense. I don't want to bother people either. But the reality is that only like such a small portion of people are actually seeing everything that you're putting out. So it's less of a bother and more like a hoping to catch someone at the right time. Um, It's like very, it's not very likely that everyone's going to see all the things. So, you know, you need to just be front and center with those subscribers. And sometimes it's a, it's like a, a reminder for someone like, oh, right. You know, so-and-so's birthday is coming up soon. Right. She loves Hillary's jewelry. So that's, that's kind of how it's, it's like, especially for men, I do have a good amount of men as subscribers. And I find that that's really helpful. I've even heard from friends of mine that are on my list. They're like, oh, thank goodness you put that email in, you know, because I totally forgot so-and-so's birthday or anniversary was coming up. And so it's really helpful. Yeah. I mean, with shop, even with me with shopping and not even with jewelry, but like daily household things that I need to buy, I'm like sometimes happy that I get an email like, oh yeah, I meant, I meant to buy that and I didn't. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, totally. So in addition to like bringing up those questions about what to do with custom, a big part of this series has brought up questions about like how we should position you as the face of the brand and like how much of you to kind of reveal and get personal. And I'm curious, like, how does that make you feel? And like, what does it bring up for you? I don't mind telling, you know, personal story about kind of, you know, my, how I've gotten to where I am, you know, how I got started, where I am now. I don't mind telling a story like that. I don't mind um, showing pictures of, you know, my favorite jewelry or things like that. But I do get a little shy when it comes to, you know, images of myself, like, you know, how would I wear it? Well, I don't necessarily want everyone to see like my face with earrings <laughs> and necklace and stuff like that. It's just, you know, being self-conscious, I guess. Um, so that I probably won't do too much of, but I, I don't mind having personal tidbits in it at all. I think people really, especially since I'm much more of a maker than like some big, huge brand, I think people really like that personal touch. Yeah, definitely. We had suggested some things too that maybe the listeners want to borrow of like, if you're shy about showing the jewelry on you, maybe you could even do like a mood board, like pick clothing brands or handbag shoe brands that you think your customers would like. It doesn't even have to necessarily be like your favorites, but you know your customers would resonate and show like, okay, how would I put like an outfit together with this dress and like these shoes and what necklace and earrings would go with it. So that could also be like a way to do that as well. Yeah, that actually sounds like fun. So another thing we that's been on the meeting agendas is Pinterest and how to really get it started. Really? I mean, not no shame, like not criticizing Hillary, but it's just something she hasn't put focus on because she's so focused on Instagram and doing a great job there. So we've talked about, well, how can we kick this off in a way that doesn't feel overwhelming and can at least maybe start to like fill out her Pinterest profile a little bit so we know 
where to go next. And I'm curious, like how you've been feeling about that. And like, what are your thoughts about what we've been discussing with Pinterest? I just need to do it. I mean, I did add a bunch of images the other night. And um, as we were discussing, you know, I actually need to put them on boards. Now, there's just so much that I don't understand about Pinterest. Um, But now that we've talked about that, I'm like, oh, okay, this is actually way simpler than I thought it was. Um, And so I know I can do it. It's just also a matter of like, finding the time to, to do it. Um, that's something that I, uh, you know, I'm just not sure about, but we're going to use later. So we're going to be able, I'll be able to plan out pins for Pinterest or posts for Facebook or, you know, things for Instagram. And I think that will help a lot. Um, yeah, I know that I need a better profile on there and that it'll help expand my reach. Yeah, I think it does take some extra work up front with it's like a lesson in visual merchandising, basically, like thinking through, well, how can I group my products, even in the most basic way, like necklaces, earrings, grouping by color, grouping by like seasonal colors or trends, keeping that pretty simple, and then fitting the products into those groupings or boards. And so that setup, yeah, that'll take like a few hours. But once you have the basic foundation down, like Hillary said, using a tool like later, for example, we're just going to start literally by repurposing her Instagram content and getting a flow of pins going to Pinterest to start to see, well, does this impact traffic? What seems to be doing well? What are people responding to? And once we get like a baseline of that, then we can be a little more strategic about it. But it's more about getting the content out there without giving her like too much extra homework. So it'll it'll be an extra step of putting it on later. I had told Hillary also, she's going to want to adjust her captions a little bit and make them less first person and more just like descriptive of the image, thinking about how would people search for this and then find it. So there's, there'll be like a slight adjustment there and thinking through what board should this go on? Like, how do I want to merchandise it? But once that initial setup is done, it's kind of maybe just like 10 or 15 extra minutes to like keep up with that. That sounds great. And then you also shared that um, Shopify has a Pinterest app embed, I suppose is what it's called. Yeah. So that I can mm -hmm. easily transfer individual products over to Pinterest with the caption there and and all of that. So that's, and a link. So that's great. Yeah. That's an easy way to just at least ensure at the bare minimum that your new products are getting up on Pinterest. I would say to people listening, that's not like the only Pinterest strategy you should have, but it's like a bare minimum thing you can be doing if you have Shopify. Um, and then I guess, you know, after we we spoke, I'm wondering, do you have any thoughts about like merchandising for Pinterest or kind of how you want to approach it? You know, I might do it similar to similarly to how my website is set up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I could do it by collection, by type, by metal, what I don't have on my website is by stones or by color, which I probably need to add by, by gemstone category on my website. Um, so I think, yeah, I think something like that. And then um, I might just start doing some like 
grouped images of, you know, you know, la layered necklaces and things like that, um, just to kind of add a little bit more interest in, you know, what might look good together layered and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Because as I had discussed with Hillary, like so many people come to Pinterest for styling advice, ideas what to buy themselves, ideas for gifts, how to wear things for seasons, like more inspirational content related to visual things in your life, like what you wear. And so, yeah, having the single products is good, but then having another level of like showing how to wear things, how this actually looks in a lifestyle. Like those are things that I think will really resonate with people as well. Yeah, I will. I will do my best. <laughs> I'll make sure Hillary does it. <laughs> I'll, keep, I'll keep her on track. She has a whole to-do list now of things to work on. <laughs> it's good. It's very good. Well, thanks for meeting today, Hillary. I appreciate it. You're welcome. My pleasure. Good to see you again. What did you think about the interview? Are you excited to follow Hillary on this journey? I highly encourage you to check out Hillary's website, hillaryfink.com, and follow her on Instagram at hillaryfinkjewelry. Link in the show notes as well. And also let me know in a, in a podcast review or YouTube comment what you think. Let's get into the gold mine. Welcome to another edition of The Gold Mine, a segment where I get personal and share insights on entrepreneurship, mindset, success, growth, and all things business. The Gold Mine allows me to share topics and insights close to my heart. This week's Gold Mine is all about a trap that all of us fall into. I do it too. You do it. We all do it. Making assumptions. You've probably heard the old saying, I remember it from when I was a kid because I thought it was funny, to assume makes an ass out of you and me because, you know, those things all spell assume in case you didn't get it. It's cheesy, I know, but it's got a really good point and honestly, it's something I remember all the time. Assuming stuff about people, especially your customers, is risky business. It can mess up not only your personal relationships, but it totally can impact how you engage with customers of your jewelry business. I've seen so many jewelry brands slip up here, so I'm going to break down some very classic assumptions that can lead to mistakes and missed opportunities. The first one is one-size-fits-all marketing. If you're thinking maybe not even consciously, but just assuming that everyone wants the same kind of jewelry, the same experience out of interacting with your jewelry brand, that's a bad move. This can potentially alienate a whole bunch of your audience members. So try to segment your marketing for different tastes and preferences. Also, the price game. You may think that everyone is just hunting for a bargain. So then in that sense, you may feel pressure to discount or offer promotions. Sure, there will always be people out there who are bargain hunting. But then there are other people who appreciate quality and craftsmanship, and they're not necessarily looking for a deal. So don't miss out on those customers by focusing slowly on, solely on the price conscious customers. Another assumption or mistake would be to think that 
your customers maybe don't have their own ideas or wishes about your jewelry. So I think some brands have their own creative vision. They're really set in the products that they want to create. And that's important to have that resolve in kind of what you're putting out there in the market. But if you can be open to hearing customer feedback, perhaps opening up custom or personalized options, then you will be in a better position to give customers what they want. Another thing is don't assume that loyalty is a given. Thinking that a customer will always stick around is just a recipe for disaster. So don't take your existing customers for granted. Keep offering value and engaging with them to make sure that they do stay loyal because there's so much competition in the marketplace and so many other places they could go. There's also the FAQ fallacy. So just because you've got an FAQ page doesn't mean you've covered everything. Give customers ways to easily reach out to you, make that customer service touch point so obvious so that they can contact you for nitty gritty stuff that isn't on your website. Because I promise you there are questions that you are not addressing. Another assumption is that jewelry brands make is that Some brands just think that their jewelry is for self-purchase. So they kind of market that way and they never touch upon the aspect that jewelry can make for great gifts. So definitely include options for gift wrapping, gift receipts, or even a prompt at checkout asking if the purchase is a gift. Another thing is assuming everyone knows their jewelry size or that they know how to size themselves for jewelry. That's really just setting yourself up for customer service headaches and a high rate of returns. So providing size guides or even virtual try-ons to make life easier for your customers is great. And then finally, a common mistake is kind of skipping the small fish, right? So if you're focusing solely on high spenders or frequent buyers, you could potentially be missing out on opportunities to charm those occasional shoppers who can also be very valuable and eventually turn into loyal customers. Are you making any of these mistakes? If so, it's time for a rethink. Sometimes it's better to act like your customer knows nothing and then go the extra mile in communicating. So what else might you be assuming about your customer base? Put yourself in the shoes of a clueless customer and think about their possible questions or confusions. Address those and you'll see how positively people will respond. What did you think? Let me know in an Instagram DM podcast review or YouTube comment. Did you have any questions about today's episode? You can always email me Larissa. That's L-A-R-Y-S-S-A at joyjoya.com. If you love this podcast, please share it with a friend who'd appreciate it. And don't forget to subscribe as well as leave a review on Apple Podcasts.